you tonight. We've been studying the books of Moses, and so we're going to continue that study tonight. We are in our fourth lesson in the book of Exodus, and this is going to be the part two of the fourth lesson. We're looking at giving the giving of the law, and so we've been looking at the Ten Commandments. Uh, we have looked at some of the basic things about the Ten Commandments, and then we've also taken a closer look, and we'll, we'll kind of go back to that tonight. Just to kind of catch us all up on where we are, we're just going to go back and read the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20 and verses 1 through 17. Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 through 17. And then we'll get into our lesson for tonight. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Last week as we began looking at the Ten Commandments, we, we noticed something from the greatest commands that, that Jesus gave. In Matthew 22 and Mark 12, Jesus gives the, the greatest commandments as love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, basically with everything that is within us. We are to love the Lord our God. And to love neighbor as self. And as we look at the Ten Commandments, we find these very things within them. Do we not? And as Jesus was teaching the Jews to repent, He was wanting them to return to the Ten Commandments. And these are still, for the most part, applicable for us today. The first four of the commandments speak of serving God. And if we love God as we should, then we will serve Him as we should. 
The first three commandments being no other gods, no carved images, honoring the name of the Lord. And if we love God, then we will keep those commandments. We will not transgress them because we do not want to hurt or harm the Lord our God. And we pick up with the fourth commandment tonight. And this one also deals with, with serving God. This is the only commandment, however, that is not reinstated. That is not uh, reinstalled, if you will, in the New Testament. But as we look at this commandment, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We understand from a scriptural point that, that as we look at the New Testament, the Sabbath is no longer bound upon New Testament Christians. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Let's look at verses 14 through 17. Colossians chapter 2, beginning with verse 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of, of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. There are certain things about the Old Testament law that as we look at it, we understand that it is a shadow of what is to come. We've talked a great deal about animal sacrifices recently. I believe more so in our Wednesday class. But as we look at the, the animal sacrifices that were offered, the blood was shed as a shadow of what was to come. The shadow being Christ. Uh, it was a shadow of Christ coming and shedding His own blood. Hebrews 9 and verse 22, one that I've kind of committed to memory just because of our study. But without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And without the shedding of Christ's blood, even the blood of those animals being shed for the sins of the people, they would not be able to take away the sins. They were rolled over from one year to the next and remembered until Christ gave His life. And those things were completely removed. And as we look at this commandment as well. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It was a shadow of what was to come. It is no longer bound upon us because the things that were contrary to us, as is mentioned here in Colossians chapter 2, have been taken out of the way. These things have been nailed to the cross as we sing often in the song. And so we have something else that is given to us as Christians. We have another day that, that we honor, another day that, that we look at, that we look forward to every week. We look to the first day of the week rather than the Sabbath. 
And let's look at what the New Testament has to say about the observance of the first day of the week. One of the reasons that we meet, one of the reasons that we gather, is not just because of the example of the disciples, the apostles, and, and others of the first century and the, the establishment of the church. But we also understand that Christ was risen on the first day of the week. Look with me at Mark chapter 16 and verse 9. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. It is stated specifically in the New Testament that Jesus rose on the first day of the week. And we also understand that it is the day upon which the church was established. We first go back to Leviticus chapter 23 because it helps us understand what we read in the New Testament. Leviticus chapter 23, and let's begin reading at verse 11. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer on that day, when you, have, when you wave the sheaf, a male lamb of the first year, without blemish, as a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet aroma. And its drink offering shall be of wine, one-fourth of a hen. You shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. I want you to notice what is said in the, the well, verse, uh, let's go back to verse 11. The end of verse 11 says, On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. What we're talking about in Leviticus chapter 23 is the day of Pentecost, the day after the Sabbath. So we understand that the Pentecost was on the first day of the week. So as we come into Acts chapter 2 and begin reading at verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. This again would be the day after the Sabbath. It is upon the day of Pentecost, the day after the Sabbath, that we read also in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. It is upon the day of Pentecost that the church was established. And we understand from Leviticus 23 that again the day of Pentecost fell on a first day of the week. The church was established on the first day of the week. And not only was it established on the first day of the week, but we also have precedence in the New Testament for observing the first day of the week assembly. 
Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. It says on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. They came together on the first day of the week for the purpose of, of observing the Lord's Supper. And so we continue meeting the first day of the week to observe the Lord's Supper and to observe other things as well. Paul is also mentioned here as preaching. We sing, we pray, we take up from our means and, and give back to the church on the first day of the week because that's when the disciples met that they might break bread, that they might assemble as the precedence was set, as the church had been established on the first day of the week rather than the Sabbath day. And though the restrictions are not the same, the same reverence is given to the Lord's Day as to the Sabbath. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking, not abandoning the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We come together on the first day of the week. We consider one another. We want to edify one another. We want to stir up within us, within the body of the church, love and good works. And so we do not forsake the assembling. We do not abandon the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But we desire to come together. We hold the same reverence for the Lord's day as the Jews did for the Sabbath. And so as we look at the first four commandments, again, these are all with the idea in mind that we love God. And because we love God, we want to do His will. And we are going to do His will. But we have other commands also. And we'll only get through a couple more tonight. And we'll finish off the rest of them next week, Lord willing. But we come to the fifth commandment. The fifth of the ten commandments. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. Exodus 20 and verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is, given, is giving you. Something that we need to notice about this command is, is something that is found in the very next chapter, Exodus chapter 21. We find that severe punishment was reserved for those who failed to keep this command. It was very important to God that His people keep this command. Exodus chapter 21 and looking at verses 15 and 17. And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. 
and he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Seems rather harsh, but it is disobedience of God's command if we fail to honor father and mother. Even to strike them, even to curse them, was a very serious, serious offense. We find the the idea for this commandment also reinstated in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20. Colossians 3 verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 3. Ephesians 6 beginning with verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Children are commanded to be obedient, to honor father and mother. And we also notice that in verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 6, that the same promise regarding those who are obedient to this command is repeated. The same thing that is said in the the Old Testament in the Ten Commandments is said in the New, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. But there's also something here that we find for parents. In honoring father and mother, fathers and mothers also need to lead in such a way as to be honored. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, for instance. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Even going back to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, some responsibility is also placed on the parents and how they teach and treat their children. God's command is is that we honor father and mother. And even as we look at the New Testament, we understand that this goes beyond uh, just our time in the house, so to speak. But it goes beyond that into uh, adulthood when parents get older and we become their caretakers. We need to have that same honor for them as we do even as children. We have a responsibility to care for them and we should as is right in the eyes of God. When we come to the sixth commandment. You shall not murder, as the New King James puts it. The wording is a little little different in the King James Version and also the American Standard. Both say, thou shalt not kill. Is there a difference? Is there anything to the wording here between murder and kill? As we look at the Greek, the Greek can be translated as either kill or murder. 
But in English, there is a bit of a difference in the way that we look at these words. But let's look at, at what God says about killing and about murder and how He views life. We begin by going back to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 and picking up with verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Just because of, of what happened here, I, I've always felt that, that the word talked is very mild for what Cain and Abel had. That there was a disagreement of some kind so that Cain, Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. And in verse 9, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said those famous words, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. God was not pleased with Cain in any way for what he had done to his brother Abel. We read in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6, Whoever sheds man's blood... By man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. God views human life as very sacred. Despite this command, there were times in which God sanctioned killing as necessary. For instance... On many occasions, God promised blessing upon His people through the defeat of their enemies, requiring the shedding of blood. David is referred to as a man after his own heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14, and this is also referenced by Paul in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. And even though the first mention of him being a man after God's own heart was well before he became a ruler and a leader of people, before the shedding of blood, he is mentioned as a man after God's own heart even in the New Testament. And I believe the same is still true. That David was a man after God's own heart despite the things that he had done wrong. But he was forbidden to build the temple himself because it is said in 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 8, you have shed much blood. God was not displeased with David necessarily because of the shedding of blood, the blood that had been upon his hands. The blood that had been shed was necessary for his victory over God's enemies. But he still was not allowed to build the temple because he had shed much blood. 
But there is a difference between premeditated, intentional murder and killing for safety or freedom from oppressive nations. There is a difference in us going to war with a nation that poses a threat to us and killing someone on the street because they've done something to offend us. There's a difference between killing and murder. And so in the newer translations, the word is, is not kill, thou shalt not kill, because there are times when killing is still necessary. won't get into a discussion of capital punishment, but again, there is a, a time when killing may be necessary. When your own life is threatened, for instance. But there is a difference in killing for the purpose of safety and freedom and murdering someone with intention to do so. And so we have this command, you shall not murder. This is reinstated in the New Testament. Look at what is said in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. 1 Timothy 1 verse 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers. Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 19. Galatians 5 and verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Murderers. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And in Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, Mark 7 beginning with verse 21, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Just common morality understands that murder is wrong. Hatred and anger are also condemned in the New Testament. 1 John 3 verse 15 and also Matthew 5 verses 21 through 22. And we know that on occasions governments are permitted the right to go to war when necessary. Look at Romans 13 and verse 4. 
Romans 13 and verse 4, For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. There may be times when killing is necessary. And in those times we have not transgressed God's commandment. But should we take it upon ourselves to take the life of an individual as a premeditated act, as just an act of evil against someone else, someone who is different, someone who has, uh, again, offended us? When we do so, we have transgressed God's command. You shall not murder. And it is a very serious offense. And those who practice such evil things, as it said in Mark 7 and 23, those who practice such evil things comes from within them. It is that that defiles a man. And in Galatians chapter 5, we are told that these will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we have this commandment reestablished in the New Testament. And we'll stop there and we'll, we'll pick up there, Lord willing. Not next week, as I believe next week is singing night, but maybe the week after that. And we'll continue our study of the Ten Commandments. I don't know where you stand in your relationship with Christ tonight, but we always offer the Lord's invitation. Maybe it is that you need to respond in obedience, being baptized for the remission of sins. Maybe it is that you need to come back. Maybe you need to repurpose your life, rededicate your life to Him. Maybe you need help in doing so. and Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need strength. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Whatever your deed may be tonight, we, we again offer the Lord's invitation to you. It's not my invitation, but it is an invitation that I am privileged to offer on behalf of God, on behalf of Christ. And so we give you the opportunity, if you are in need of responding in any way, if there's any way that we can assist you, please let us do so. As together we stand and as we sing. Number 268. Mm -hmm.